come to the house of the Lord. I am excited you're here. Thank you to those who um, joined us for Sunday morning prayer this morning. I just want to invite all of you every single Sunday at 920. Uh, we gather in this place in the worship center to just seek the Lord's face, to seek his glory um, for what he wants to do during the service. So you are welcome every Sunday at 920 to do that with us. Really fast note about the um, Totally 80s Women's Slumber Party. If that is something that you had planned on coming to but haven't signed up yet, I need you to tell me that this morning. <laughs> you can tell me or Brittany Gross, tell me this morning if that is something you're planning on coming to this Friday. And we are excited to, to um, enjoy some time together there. Quick note uh, regarding uh, Operation Christmas Child. Pastor Tim talked about this a bunch last week, so I'm not going to give you a bunch of details. But we do still have a few boxes back uh, underneath the connect wall. You are welcome to grab one of those. There's information inside, and there's also an information sheet on the uh, connect wall itself. Um, we just share the gospel with kids around the world by giving them things that they need and um, just have fun with in that box. And our last day for uh, collection, we'll be receiving those boxes. Those of you that took boxes and are filling them, you can bring them back to the church. The last day to do that is November 13th. So have fun filling those boxes and get them back here by November 13th. And if you would like to help prepare the shoeboxes for final delivery um, at the uh, operations center where they box them up and send them all over the world, you can join a team from Faith Church going to the processing center on Wednesday, November 23rd. That's the day before Thanksgiving, Wednesday, November 23rd. We only have a few spots available, so um, space is limited. That means signups will be first come, first serve, and you can note that on your Connect card on the bulletin that came uh, that you grabbed on the way in and pop that in the connect box back there on the sound booth. I'm racing through those announcements because I have two really fun announcements, really exciting announcements. Um, I get the joy of telling you what's going on in a small town called Dawsonville uh, in Georgia. It's being called uh, the North Georgia Revival. And basically five years ago, a local church body, honestly at that time about the size of Faith Church, um, made space to pursue God's glory and his face by denying themselves and following God's lead. And uh, long story short, the Holy Spirit has sustained his presence there um, for about five years. And uh, the Lord came to the pastor of this small church uh, called Christ Fellowship in Dawsonville, Georgia. Um, the Lord came to him in a vision during a 21-day fast, and God essentially told him that God would encounter people in the water of the baptistry if they would be immersed in it. Um, that was about five years ago, and God has continued to do that every single Sunday night that they hold a revival service. Um, people are encountering God in the water. Uh, as they've followed the Lord's leading, numerous people have experienced um, inexplicable physical healing, healing from emotional trauma, um, increased sense or renewed sense of intimacy with the Lord. Um, reports have spread, and people continue to come from all over the country um, simply to declare their faith in the Lord as well as encounter him in the water. And um, multiple local churches in that area are now partnering to host that revival. Um, like I said, every single Sunday night. Charles and I went um, several months ago uh, to check it out. Um, uh, the faith staff just last weekend, we were there for a leadership conference. 
And I, I watched personally, I experienced some, and I watched um, some experience the joy of the Lord as they took that physical step. And I watched others just come out of the water awestruck at what the Lord did and how he touched them in that water. I am very excited to share with you that Faith Women will be attending North Georgia Georgia Revival's Women's Conference in January. Um, This is an opportunity for us to gather as women. We'll be under one roof. We're getting an awesome Airbnb house about nine minutes away from the church. So we'll get to gather in fellowship there and participate in the North Georgia Revival um, Conference just for women uh, at Christ Fellowship Campus. That's January 20th through 22nd. We'll be leaving Friday morning and returning Sunday evening. Uh, Like I said, uh, we'll be under the same roof. The cost is only $149, which is incredible for a conference. It also includes your lodging. It also includes your transportation and some meals. Wanted to give you a heads up so you can start saving. Um, Because we're getting the house, uh, space will be limited, and so it's a first-come, first-served basis in terms of sign-up. We're just asking for a $50 deposit. There's a QR code in your bulletin, women. You can scan that and sign up and get that deposit in and worry about the rest as we get closer. But I highly, highly, highly encourage you to come. It's gonna be a time of refreshing. It's going to be a time of equipping. It's going to be a time of being challenged to break out of the box that we've put God in as women and see what that means um, for, for our lives. So sign up. Next, who likes Thanksgiving food? I like Thanksgiving food. <laughs> we are going to have our annual Faith Church Thanksgiving lunch on November 20th, after church, across the parking lot in the Fellowship Hall. This is a feast. This is a time to celebrate what God has done this year, um, acknowledge what he's done, and thank him. Now, this feast is provided by us. I mean, by God, through us. So it's a potluck, covered dish, whichever term you like better. And the way that we make sure we have a balanced meal is we have different cards with specific dishes on the back connect wall. So rather than just saying, everybody brings something and we all end up at a meal with, you know, 40 pots of mashed potatoes, we've made specific cards, a specific number of each category to make sure we all get a balanced meal. So this is a mac and cheese card. That stuff goes fast. Um, We've got dessert cards. We've got veggie dish. So if you, on your way out, if you're planning on coming, if you would take a peek at those cards and grab one off the wall, when you grab one of those cards, you are saying, this is the dish I'm going to make and bring. And we're asking you, just to make sure we have enough food for everybody, we're asking you that whatever you would make for your family, double it. So if you've got a family of eight, cook for 16. If you've got a family of two, you you get the idea. So um, ideally, it's for eight to 12 people, but whatever your family is, double it. I'm excited about that. We're going to have a fun time of fellowship out there, so you can mark your calendar for that on November 20th. Um, let's see. One of the things I wanted to share with you guys, just really quick, I, God has just impressed me, impressed upon me so much in the last 24 hours. He enjoys us enjoying him, enjoying us. Did you know God enjoys you? He enjoys, he doesn't just love you, he, he enjoys you, right? We see that in the parable of the, the servant and the master with the talents, right? He says, Enter into your master's joy. He's talking to those faithful servants. Joy. Enter into the master's joy. He wants us to enjoy him enjoying us. And I think there's something in that for us this morning. Um, I'm going to invite Pastor Charles to come on up and give us one more note about this morning before we turn our hearts over to worship. It's strange hearing you call me Pastor Charles. 
I thought we discussed Lord Charles. I thought we discussed that. It's from 1 Peter chapter 3. Look it up, guys. 1 Peter chapter 3. Sarah called Abraham Lord. Okay. Um, Why do I do that? Okay. This morning, we're going to have communion available. Uh, but we're not going to serve communion. We're not going to take it to you. Um, just during the time that we're singing together as one is the time that we're praying. Um, we're going to have the elements available. Uh, we'll have two, we'll have four uh, trays set up back here. In the back on the stool, there is a, uh, a tray available. So if you're in the back, you can come all the way up, but you don't have to. You can go there. Um, but we want to remember the sacrifice of Jesus in a real tangible way this morning. And, and we don't believe here that, that the bread turns into the actual body of Jesus or the actual blood of Jesus. But I believe that, that there is a presence involved as we take. And, and this is a family Sunday, so our kids are all upstairs with us. Parents, if you uh, want to grab for your kids or have them come up and do that, that's awesome. Pray with them. Show them the, the glory of, of taking this together. But for us who, who have taken before, I, I want us to just follow Paul's commands to, uh, to engage who we are. Right? He says, check yourself. He says this. He says, don't drink of the bread or the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, or you will be guilty. But examine yourself. And then, so eat of the bread of the, and the cup. So for the first couple songs, first song, first stanzas, whatever. So basically when we start, don't everybody come rushing at once. But where you are, examine yourself. Say, God, where do you want to sanctify me? Where do you want to, to, to refine me right now in this moment? And he says, when you examine yourself, then take it, then eat, then drink. It's not an examination that says, woe is me, I should not go, I could never do it. It is an examination that says, God, you are in me, with me, and for me, I can take. So I'm gonna pray, and then this will be open. First, I'm going to read, and then I'll pray. It says, Paul wrote, For what I received from the Lord, what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's proclaim the Lord's death together this morning. If you'd stand with me. Jesus, your body opened the veil. Your body opened the way. Your body took us from having to make blood sacrifices of animals to being a boldly approaching the throne of grace in our time of need. And you hear us. So when we drink uh, or when we eat of the bread, let us remember the body that brings us close to you. And when we drink of the cup, your blood washes us white as snow. Your blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So as we drink of the cup, 
cleanse us, Father. Let us worship you together in song and in unity with glory and praise. Meet us here. In Jesus' name, amen.
welcome in the Holy Spirit. We've already done that, as Lauren said in prayer this morning. There is a God of revival that wants to start a fire. There, there are some embers here, this church, but he wants to literally combust a fire right here in this small Elmwood community. Come on, let's sing to the God of revival. Pour it out, pour it out. Listen, listen. Every 
about uh, the Lord's Prayer, it talks about at the beginning, Our Father, it's not a prayer for one individual, it's a prayer for the entire congregation. And as I was preparing for this, the Lord brought Nehemiah 9 to my mind. And in verse 2 it says, And the Israelites separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. They're praying not just for themselves, but for their entire before, after, and during time period, the iniquities of all of the nation. And they stood up in the presence and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. And for another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. That's what we're doing right now. And then in verse... Uh, nine, it says, And you saw the affliction of the fathers in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers and you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. So as we proclaim the Lord's Supper, as we talk about the, the, the Lord's Prayer and we worship, God has made a name for himself and we come corporately, Lord, to you, Father God, and we just say that nothing is impossible to you. Mountains, affliction, disease, hardship, nothing is impossible. So Lord, we just give you glory and praise. We lift up your name. And we come to the altar corporately, confessing any sin we have, but also praising you for who you are and for who you are in us and who you have made us to be. Help us to walk in authority, in boldness for the kingdom of God, in Jesus' name. Father 
Usually I will read a passage and then we'll go through it. But today we're going we're gonna to recite my passage together. It's out of Matthew chapter 5. If we can get my PowerPoint up there, please. It's out of Matthew chapter 5. Verse, uh, chapter 6, excuse me, verses 9 through 13. And he says, pray then like this. And let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. And I know some of you have memorized that in the King James. I memorized it in the New King James. And so having the ESV up there was a little difficult for you. You wanted to break script. And if you did, that's okay. It's okay. We, it's Family Sunday, so we have all our kids up here this morning. And so kids, uh, as you listen to me, this doesn't give you permission not to listen to me, youngsters. I have some coloring packets for you that have the Lord's Prayer on it. You can color as I teach. So if you are fifth grade or younger and you would like a coloring packet, come on up and I will give one to you. And I'm not giving you two. Thank you, son. Hi, Delicia. Hello. There you go. There you go. There you go, Owen. Oh, Eli, you came up here. No, you're not getting one for Emery. That's anybody else? Any other kids? No, we good? All right. Before I jump into my message, so don't start your timers yet. Before we jump into my message, I want to tell you about something that's happening on March 2nd through the 4th. Uh, the, if you've listened to my teaching on the gifts of the Spirit at any point, I've probably referenced Remnant Radio. Remnant Radio is having a conference here in Statesville from the 2nd to the fourth, and it's going to be on healing and deliverance. Uh, I have to tell you what happened. I was talking to Joshua from there, and he said, we'll do one on healing. Is that good? And I said, yeah, I'd be happy to uh, host uh, a healing conference here in Statesville. And then when I get the, the, uh, the graphic here, they threw on deliverance without telling me. So now it's going to be more than I signed on for, but that's okay. So here's how you sign up. You go on to our website, faithstatesville.org. You follow the link there at the bottom, and then you sign up. Here's what you need to know. It is capped at 200 people right now, 200 people. There are, last I checked, 114 people signed up. So this is not something you can wait on. This is something that you need to be signing up for now. It is $99 a person. Um, if that fee, if you hear that and you're like, I can't do it, I can't do it. We have, some, we have people in church who have said, we will give $50 for people to go. So you will only have to pay $50. You'll just have to uh, type in a code at checkout, the, the code you can get from me. You just need to come talk to me and say, I'm going to need some help financially. And I'm going to say, here's the code. I'm not going to quiz you. I'm not going to ask for bank statements. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to say, 
here is the code. So um, be a part of this. Be a part of what God wants to do in this March 2nd through 4th. And that's the Remnant Radio Conference. If you don't know the Remnant Radio, just go to YouTube, type in the Remnant Radio. They have all sorts of teachings on the gifts of the Spirit. But they also have teachings on, uh, they have Anglicans on there. They have Methodists on there. They have people from all different denominations talking about theology. Uh, so go there, check them out, and then sign up quickly, uh, like yesterday. Okay. Now, we are going to go into a quick two-week teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And he starts off the, the, the passage in uh, Matthew chapter 6, and he says, pray like this. If Jesus says, pray like this, I'm going to try to listen. If Jesus says, do anything like this, I would be, okay. If he came and he said, here, make scrambled eggs like this, I'd be like, okay, I'm listening to you, not Gordon Ramsay. Let's go. <laughs> and so we're going to be in there for two weeks, and we're starting today and I just titled it Our Father since that's the first line, Matthew chapter 6. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about, when I was talking about authoritative relationships, I, I talked about the food pyramid. Remember that with uh, where you have some stuff up top, sweets and fats, and then you have it, but how it's all messed up and how we shouldn't follow it anymore because the largest thing you should eat is like grain and, and wheat, and we know that should can be a part of our diet, but not a big diet. And then you find out that the agricultural industry paid for the study. So they paid for it to say, eat what we grow. And then uh, God gave me another nutrition thing this morning to, uh, to, to kind of open us up. And I want to talk about empty calories, okay? Empty calories are calories that you eat that do not benefit your body. So if I eat, if I get a, a chicken breast and I eat 400 calories of a chicken breast. That's going to give me protein, nutrients, vitamins. It's going to have a beneficial effect on my body. Empty calories are something that's 700 calories, 300 calories, 200. It's a calories that you eat and have no good effect on your body, and they can actually have a, a detrimental effect on your body. Right, so the number one uh, empty calorie thing that people ingest on a regular basis is right here. It's sodas. This is like the worst thing for you, right? Now look, listen to me. I love a good root beer, right? Get Barks out of here. Give me A&W root beer, right? Give me one of the bottled root beers you can buy. I love root beer. But I know every time I'm drinking it, this is just empty calories, it's not going to do anything good for my body. In fact, it's going to do a whole bunch of bad stuff for my body, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to fill me with sugar. It's going to mess up all of that, all of the, the systems and functions in my body. This is empty calories. And I'll say this, knowing who I'm speaking to and where I'm speaking, and if you want to fire me tomorrow, you can. There should be like a glass of sweet tea up there too, all right? All right? Yeah, I don't hear any amens after that. Okay. But these, these are empty calories. These are things that you consume that don't do anything for you. And, and today I, I want to talk about empty calories, but I want to talk about empty calorie prayer. Prayer that, that, that you, you can, like you have to understand that you can pray and it's empty calories. It doesn't have effect. You have to understand that you can pray and God doesn't hear the prayer sometimes. 
You have to understand that there are ways that we pray that are empty calories. Well, what is that, Charles? Because I don't want to do that. Jesus tells them. Before he tells them how to pray, he says, here are the empty calorie prayers. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their rewards. Empty calorie prayers, not having a prayer life, and then once you get up somewhere, you make a big show of it. And you can make a big show of it by going to the King James, right? The these and the thous. Oh, Father. Oh, thou, thou wouldst be within our midst this morning, oh God. Or you can go and, and try to get a prayer that gets people hyped up by your words and your tones and by what you say rather than the spirit behind it. God, you just come right now in power and goodness and glory. And I'm not saying that either of those are wrong, but if you are doing it to make a show of things, it's empty calories. If you are doing it to be noticed and to be seen by others, Jesus says, look, you'll receive your rewards. Other people will like you, but that's all you get. You don't get me. And then he goes on and he tells, look, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. They won't be heard. That's what Jesus is saying. They think they're going to be heard, but they're not going to be heard. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. We lose a little bit of context in this because what the Gentiles would do in the time of Jesus would they would chant and encant to their deities, to their gods, to have their gods have effect in the world. So he's saying, that's not how you pray to me. You don't need to have an incantation. You don't need to chat. I will be here when you pray. Don't be like them. You don't need to be like them. I already know. I already know. So then he says, pray then like this. Not these empty calorie stuff. Pray then like this. And this prayer, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That, he says, it's, it's, it's real prayer. It's calorie-filled prayer. It's good stuff. This prayer at its core, and what I want to start to show you this morning and continue on into next week, is that it is a plea for radical and supernatural transformation to come to our world and into our lives. To come into our world and into our lives. We are asking God to transform things to not keep things the way they are, to not have it be the status quo, but to have his presence and power be in the prayers that we pray. It's more than just a prayer we say out of habit without really thinking about it. It's got to be more than that. I remember I, I, I would go, my pastor thought that uh, he was invited to speak every month at a, 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 a senior living facility with people in their 70s and 80s. And he told me, he said, Charles, you need to learn how to speak in front of people. I was a youth pastor at the time that aren't just youth. You have to have a wide variety of, uh, of um, crowds. And I, I say crowds, there was 15 people there. Of, of audiences, audiences is the right word. Of audiences that you speak in front of. And I think he just did that because he didn't want to go. And he was like, you go instead. But I would go and I would love it. 
Because I would leave there and those old ladies would make me think I was the best preacher ever. I mean, it was awesome. But at the end of their prayer requests every week, they would say the Lord's Prayer. And they would start it. And as they would start it, I would think in my head, do I remember this? I don't know if I remember this. Don't talk too loud because if you get something wrong, Ethel right there is going to hear you. Her name was Ethel. That's not like a slander against old people names. Her name was really Ethel. Ethel's going to hear you and she's going to know that you don't know the prayer. But every time I remembered it as I went because I've heard it so much. But I don't want to say it without, just, without thinking about it. And people have taught it as a template for prayer. And that's not wrong, but I'm not sure that that's what Jesus intended. So we're going to go through just the first half this morning. It starts off, pray then like this, our Father. When I was in fourth grade, I had a teacher and her name was Mrs. Haas. And I did something that you could not do around my group of friends in Ms. Haas's class. Because they will not let you live it down. In the middle of class, we were doing some sort of art project. And I hate art projects, but I was still doing it, right? And in the middle of it, I was going to ask Ms. Haas for something. And I said, Mom, can you hand me... And everybody just went silent. I, this is how I remember it in my mind. I don't think this actually happened in a fourth grade classroom. But everybody went silent and just looked at me. And it caught, I caught, I just called her mom. My life is over. <laughs> I'm going to hear it. My friends are not going to let me live it down. And for a couple weeks, they did it. But why was that wrong? Because she's not my mom. Right? She, she's not the person I should call mom. And yet Jesus opens a prayer and he says, say, hey, say our father. You can call him father. Right? And there's no controversy, I hope, to stand up in a church and say that Jesus was the son of the father. And so he has every right to say, my father who is in heaven. He has every right to say this. But when he's teaching them to pray, he says, no, say our father. I'm not just saying my father, because the father is not simply the father to the son, but he's a father to all who would choose him. It's not reserved for a special class of Christian or a special class of citizen. It's forever who would come and say, Father, bring me into your family. And he says, yes. And praying God as our Father shows the warmth and the intimacy and the closeness of a loving Father, even if we have not experienced that here on earth, right? This is what the Father wants from us. He wants the closeness. He wants the warmth. He wants you to know that he, that he loves you and that you can come to him as a son, as a daughter, and more, even more than that, even more than that, when Jesus says, our Father, right? If I was talking with Pat, and we were talking about Christmas, and I said, well, Pat, our Father got us this for Christmas, he would look at me and say, what? Our Father? We don't have the same Father. But Jesus, when he is saying, our Father, he is uniting us as brothers and sisters to himself, he said, if I can say our father, right? My daughter and my son, when they are talking about me, they can say our father is incredible, right? 
They can say that because I am both of their fathers. <laughs> they could say that because they are united as brother and sister from the same source. And so when Jesus tells us that we can say our father, he is saying, if you say it, you are my brother. If you say it, you are my sister. If you say it, we are a family together. Why is this important? Because praying our father removes shame. Because in Hebrews chapter two, verse 11, it says, for he who sanctifies Jesus and those who are sanctified, you and me, those who are sanctified, you and me, we all have the same source, which is the same father. That's why he is not ashamed to call you brother. At the marriage supper of the lamb, whenever that happens, at the marriage supper of the lamb and the table set up and the food and the wine is flowing uh, it, it, on this huge table, when you walk into the room, he's not gonna walk in and say, ooh, you don't get a seat at this table because I'm afraid what you're gonna say. I'm, you can't sit here because I, I'm a little bit embarrassed of you. So you have to go to that table over there for all the black sheep. He's not going to say that because he is not ashamed of you. He's not going to say that because he looks at you and he doesn't say, man, I made a mistake. He doesn't look at you and say, why did I save them again? I just don't get it. He's saying, no, you are my brother and I'm not ashamed to stand next to you in front of the Father and call you that and so many of us have battled shame our entire lives so many of us have that inner monologue of shame that says you are not good enough and it is not the voice of God and it is not the Holy Spirit it is from the enemy telling you you are not good enough because the Bible the true word of God says that there is no condemnation from you and that, and that as we grow, we are set free from shame because the love of Christ is poured out from us. He, we are not put to shame because the love of God is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he has given us. We can overcome shame. And so if you're holding on to shame, there's freedom available. And our Father is a prayer that begins that step. So even in the first line, this is not empty calories. Our Father, who is in heaven. I'm even skipping over the who is in heaven part. We can go on that for a couple weeks. But hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. There are words, if, uh, you know, as your kids go through school, you have to, they, you have, you have to help them with homework about things that you've forgotten. So they'll bring up English homework or grammar homework and they'll have to write an adjective down. And I have to stop and think what an adjective is. It is a word that describes another word, right? The tablecloth is white. The weather is cold, right? It's a word that describes another word. And then they'll say, you have to put a verb in here. And a verb is an action word. I am teaching. You are sitting, right? And so when we read this in the English, hallowed be your name, hallowed seems like an adjective. 
It's describing the name of Jesus. But in the Greek, hallowed is a verb. It's an action. It it is probably better rendered, keep making your name holy. Father, be active in making your name holy. Father, show us the holiness of your name. It's an ongoing recognition of God's holiness. It's not, your name is holy, we get it. It was holy back then, and I believe it was holy back then. And I believe it's going to be holy in the future, and uh, maybe you can convince me it's holy right now. But what this is saying, it is keep actively making your name holy. Now, this does not mean that the, the name that you call God is in and of itself holy. Now, I, I can't get into the weeds of this, but I have, if you grabbed my PowerPoint on your way in, I have an article listed under the next point. You could look it up. You can grab my PowerPoint on the way out. If you don't gra- grab one, you can go to the website, statesville.org, and at the very top, it says weekly PowerPoint. You can get my PowerPoint there. But the name of God in the Old Testament is not just his name. So when it talks about the name, it's not just talking about, it's not just, I almost said Yeshua, it's not talking about Yahweh. It's not talking about any of the other names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Roy. It's not talking about those. It is talking about the very presence of God. And if you want to look that up, Michael Heiser, Google Jesus God, a.k.a. the name. The holiness of God is found in the name of God, which is the presence of God. Well, Charles, where do we see that in Scripture? Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5. Instead, you must seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to establish as a dwelling for his name. And the translators chose to capitalize his name because it's not just the name. It's the very essence and presence of God. So Jesus, or, or, or excuse me, the, uh, God, as he is telling Israel how they're supposed to live, he says, there will be one tribe, it ends up being the Levites, he says, there will be one tribe that they will host my name. They will be a dwelling place. This will be a place where I live with you. So the name is the presence of God. And when Jesus prays, he says, and I am no longer in the world but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. He doesn't mean just keep them in the, 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 word, the letters Yahweh. He doesn't mean just keep them in some concept of what you call me. He's saying keep them in your name, in your presence, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Keep them in your presence, Father, please. So when we say, hallowed be your name, we are saying that the ongoing holiness of God is found in his presence. And so if we want to experience the holiness of God right here and now in our lives, then we need to experience the presence of God in our lives here and now. And the good news is, the good news is, is that you have the Holy Spirit inside you if you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And so I have taught you time and time again that you are 
a holy one because you house the presence of God. So when we're praying, hallowed be your name. Father, in your life, make your presence more evident. Make your presence fill me more. Make your presence, let me feel your presence more and more. Let me experience that ongoing holiness of your presence in me. And then there's also the times where we have the presence in us, but then we feel the presence in a place. I'm, man, when Teresa was right here and she hit that, that high note, let her I was like, oh, presence. But I felt it before that, man. I felt it when we were in prayer this morning. You got to get to Sunday morning prayer. I felt it when we were in prayer. I felt it when we started our singing. I felt the outward presence of God just resting in this place. And we are made holy in his presence. And you know that I, I don't get up here and say that every Sunday. Something was moving this Sunday this morning as we sang. So our Father, you are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. So we ask, what is the kingdom of God? And I'm gonna go through this quickly because I've taught on the kingdom of God a lot. If you have questions and come after, up to me afterwards, I'll give you a bunch of resources. But it is the authoritative rule and reign of God through a king who is Jesus over a place, the earth, technically the heavens and the earth, but for the Lord's Prayer, we're gonna talk about the earth and over a people, the church, who do his bidding. I got this, uh, I got this definition and then adapted it with some of my tweaks. Uh, so with, from Scott McKnight in The Kingdom Conspiracy. It's a good book. But it is the authoritative rule and reign of God through a king Jesus, over a place here, earth, and over a people, you and I, the church, universal, that do his bidding. When the king tells a servant to do something, the servant does it. And so we do his bidding. And when the kingdom of God is active, redemption is actively taking place. Remember, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is more than just personal salvation, though it includes personal salvation. It's more than just the forgiveness of my sins, though it includes the forgiveness of my sins. It is an active redemption of all creation, as, and all creation is still now being actively redeemed, and they are waiting with groaning that the sons of God would be revealed. This is what is actively taking place. And it's not just redemption of our spirit. It's not just redemption of the place that needs the sins forgiven, that we are imputed his righteousness. It's not just, it's not just there, but it's spirit, soul, and body. And this active redemption overthrows evil. Because anywhere the kingdom of God is advancing, Satan will put up a fight, but he cannot stand. The gates of hell cannot withstand the kingdom going forward. And so Jesus, when he came and he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. He's not just stating facts. He's not just bringing a truth to be, to be acknowledged, but he is announcing a new reality. He's saying, with my coming here on earth, the whole fabric of your reality is now changing. Right, It was under the domain of darkness, but I'm going to be given all authority in heaven and on earth. It, the fabric of our whole 
system of life changed because Jesus Christ came in the flesh, bringing the kingdom of God. And we have to understand this so that we can overcome what holds us back. Because once we understand that there is a kingdom of God, but there's also a kingdom that opposes him, then maybe we'll stop blaming God, God for all our problems and put the blame where the blame lies. Maybe we'll, start blas- we'll stop blaspheming God with saying, man, God does this and he doesn't love me because he does this and he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, uh, he doesn't care for me because he disciplines me. And maybe we'll actually see, no, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Or maybe we'll stop blaming all of sickness and cancers. Maybe we'll stop blaming all the war on God and saying, how could a good God allow it? And we say, church, how come we're not fighting against the evil that's actually causing it? This is, this is the reality. The reality of the kingdom of God was central to Jesus' ministry. So everything that he does is a reflection of the kingdom of God. And there's gonna be verses listed here and I'm not really gonna read them but they're just there for notes so you can check later. But one of his purposes was come and coming was to preach the kingdom of God. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well for I was sent for this purpose. This is why I'm here, to preach the kingdom of God. So I can't stay here. Everybody needs to hear about the kingdom of God. And when he taught about the kingdom of God in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, people were shocked at his authority. When he finished, it says that the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as scribes. His parables are full of kingdom teaching, especially Luke chapter 13. For the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, and when a man finds it, he buries it again, and he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. And the kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price, who when the pearl merchant finds it, he sells everything he has to buy the pearl. The kingdom of God is central to his teaching. And the Bible never actually defines it. it. Jesus just illustrates it and describes it. It's like this. It's like that. And he did that so that we never think that we have it all figured out. So that we don't think that if we just say the right things or do the right things, then the kingdom of God will come. But it's our reality. He taught it's the highest priority for us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek that first. It's a benefit of being born again. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Here the reward is not being born again. The reward is seeing the kingdom of God. Think about that for a second. Because you've been taught your whole life that being born again is the reward. And it is a reward. But you are born again in order to see the kingdom of God. Man, I just want to preach on that for a second, but I can't. The kingdom of God is their motivation to avoid sin. If your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. Tear it out. Because it's better that you go into the kingdom of God blind than to be thrown into Gehenna. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off because it's better to go with no hands into the kingdom of God than to be thrown into Gehenna. The kingdom of God is our motivation to forgive sin. And it's the message that he sends his disciples out with. He says, go, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Two things intertwined. We'll get to that in a second. 
This is the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus comes into the world, bringing the kingdom of God with him, he starts a battle. He starts a cosmic battle between two kingdoms. And Jesus came to release us and to free us from the kingdom of darkness. Colossians chapter one says that when we are saved, when we are born again, we are transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious son. See, Jesus sees our captivity to Satan as the central problem of humanity. Not that we sin, though we shouldn't, so we should try not to sin and be led by the Spirit in that. It's not that we're born evil little monsters. Jesus' main problem that he sees with us is that we're under captivity to Satan if we are not with him. That if we are not with him, we are against him and we are in captivity. And this is why for the first thousand years of the church, their main, I'm gonna get a little theological on here, but you can stay with me. Their main theories of atonement, which means what happened on the cross, their main theories of atonement were not the main ones that, is not the main one that the church preaches today. The main theory of atonement that the church preaches today is called penal substitutionary atonement. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ, it is true that Jesus Christ became sin on the cross and he died in our place, the substitute, so that when we believe in him, he gives us his righteousness. That's true, but the early church didn't teach that. The early church taught Christ the victorious, Christus victor, and they taught the ransom theory. Both of these show Jesus as a conquering king who goes, comes down to us, defeats Satan, and liberates all of humanity. He pays the ransom for us. For the Son of God came, for the Son of Man came not to, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This is what the early church taught. So Jesus came to fight the cosmic battle, defeat Satan, strip him of his authority in this world, and liberate all creation from him. That is the kingdom in action. And now we are given the task of liberating the world from the grips of Satan with the authority of Jesus in us. That's why we taught on authority the last six weeks. Because we have a mission. We have been given a directive to go out and liberate the world. And what shows that the kingdom of God is present? This is what Jesus says, shows the kingdom of God is present. Proclaiming the good news that Jesus is king, healing the sick, casting out demons. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I need to go preach the reality of the kingdom of God. He says, when you go out, heal the people in the towns and then tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then he says, if I cast out Satan, by this power of the Spirit, then surely the kingdom of God has come among you. So our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I don't want us to get too hung up and caught up in the weeds of these things, especially of this one. Because we can get paralyzed thinking that we need to find the will of God in every situation and that we have no capacity to do it ourselves and we don't want to be a people that does that. Like I didn't stand in front of my closet this morning and say, God, what is your will for it for me to wear this morning as I preach? 
Then I was thinking about that this morning, and maybe I didn't do that because I was afraid he'd say, wear a suit. And I'd be like, yeah, can't do it. Can't do it. I'd be, I'd be up here, and I'd be like, or for your sake, he would say, just wear shorts and flip-flops and a T-shirt. It'll be okay. And you'll walk in, and you're like, I know Charles is pretty casual, but he's, he's overstepping some boundaries here, I think. I'm just going to read to you some verses, and then I'm going to summarize the verses at the end. For this is the will of God. Pay attention. <laughs> this is the will of God. Your sanctification. That you would abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you would know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong in his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger of all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be, get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us. His will is working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for Christ Jesus in you. You want to know God's will? That's God's will. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. That's so comforting. We don't do it in vain. We don't deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and then get nothing from it. We get God. We get what he has promised us. The will of God is for us to be one with Christ, filled with his spirit, walking in good works he's prepared, while knowing that our reward will be great. So our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Here on earth as it is in heaven. It's the last part we're gonna go through this morning. But you have to understand that seeing heaven here on earth is possible now. It's not something that's reserved for a later date. For that day where he does split the eastern sky, for that day when we do sit in the white throne of judgment and he says, come in, you good and faithful servant. That will happen one day and that will be glorious. But heaven coming to earth right now is possible because Jesus tells us to ask for it. He says, ask me, 
Say, Father, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus would not ask us to ask for something if it was not possible. He doesn't command us to ask for things that are not possible. So if he's telling us, ask for this, then it's possible. So it is possible for us to see the kingdom of God and to see the will of God break through in our reality now the same way it's breaking through in the heavenly places right now. And for the kingdom to come on earth, he could and he will at one point just come and he will pour it all out, right? But for the kingdom to come on earth, he needs human agents He doesn't need. He chooses, I put chooses, he has chosen to use human agents to make this a reality. So if there is a place that the kingdom of God and the will of God is not being done or has not come, if there is a place, it is because there is no Christians there doing the bidding of God in that place. Because that's how he's chosen to do it. For all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, so go. Go, to, go make disciples. Go to every nation. Teach them everything that I taught you. Go. You are the way that I've chosen to redeem the world. Look, this prayer, it's not just empty words. Jesus says, these are the empty words. This is the power. These are the empty ways to pray. Pray like this and you'll see me. They are powerful. And being agents of the kingdom of God in this world, it, 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 we should rightfully look at it. And that is an enormous responsibility. Enormous. But it's possible. Some things when they're big and they're hard and they're struggle, we think, eh, I don't think it's possible, God. What I'm dealing with, it just seems too big right now for what you want for me and and through me. It just seems way too big. I can't imagine it even happening. It feels too big. Good. It's supposed to feel too big. Because if you can carry it, God doesn't have to show up. If you could deal with it, God doesn't have to move. If I could go heal somebody, God doesn't have to come in and do the thing. If you can carry it, It's not big enough. To recap, your shame can be dealt with by the blood of Jesus because he's welcomed you into his family. The very presence of God is establishing holiness in our lives. And we can be sure that the kingdom of God and the will of God will be displayed in this world as we pursue it, as we act as his agents and his ambassadors. We can be sure. Pray then like this. Our Father, through the blood of Jesus, and our Father who does away our shame. Let there be ongoing holiness in my life through your very presence. And let your kingdom come through the redemption of all things with the gospel, with healing, 
and with freedom for the oppressed. And let your will be done in me as I become more like Christ and walk how he is leading me. And on earth, right now, in this moment, let this be happening as it is being perfectly displayed in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Bow your heads really quick, if you can, for me. I'm just going to see if we can figure out what God wants to do in this moment before we get into our reflection. Can you rightfully call the Father? Can you rightfully say to him, our Father? Can you rightfully say to him, our Father? That's the first question. You can lift your heads now. Can you rightfully call the Father, our Father? If you can't, then that's, the, that's what you have to reckon with this morning is we're here as you're sitting and as we're gonna stand and sing one more song and as we leave, you have to reckon with the fact that you cannot call God the Father. And God so desperately wants you to see the kingdom of God that he sent his son to die, to forgive you of your sins, to give you new life, to welcome you into his family. So if you have not done that, reckon with that this morning. How come the kingdom and the will of God come into your present reality? Where do you need Jesus to break through? Do you need healing? Do you feel like Satan's been oppressing you for too long? How can the kingdom and will of God come into your present reality? And then finally, will you allow yourself to be used as an agent of the kingdom? And I will warn you of this again because I've warned you of it before. When you say this, when you say to God, God, I will willingly be used by you. If you are wholeheartedly going after that, he is going to confuse you. He's not, no, he's not the author of confusion. Confusing things will happen. Strange things you'll see. You'll have to pray for people when he tells you to pray for people and you might feel weird about it. To be fully used by God to says, God, take everything away from me. 
Take everything away. Take my pride. Take my shame. Take my doubt. Take my fears. Take it all so that when you say, go pray for that person in the grocery store, I'll do it. And I will feel uncomfortable the whole time. And they might think I'm weird as I leave them. Look, but there's power. If it's weird, it might be important. And that's okay. And so I say that, and I know that some of you are thinking, but I don't want to be weird, Charles. I don't want to be the strange one. Then you don't want to be used by God. And I do not say that lightly. Because you know who gets all the weird cases? I'm the weird guy. And when all this started, I said, God, I don't want to be the weird pastor. And all of it started almost three years ago. I said, God, I don't want to be the weird pastor. Don't make me the weird pastor. You can get me a shirt that says weird pastor. (laughs) But this is what you open yourself up to. You open yourself up to the power of God. Read the Old Testament. The power of God can be weird. It can be strange. It is weird to spit in mud and put it on somebody's eyes. It is weird to put your fingers in somebody's ears when they pray, when you pray for them. It is weird to call somebody a dog saying that they don't deserve your bread. But Jesus did all of that. And blind people received their sight. Deaf people heard. And the, the woman's daughter was set free from her demon. Will you, be, will you allow yourself to be used by God to be an agent of the kingdom? with no restrictions. God, I'll do it except, then you know what he's gonna do? That thing that you say except is the first thing he's gonna bring to your door. (laughs) So just for your sanity's sake, don't say except. But will you be an agent? If you'll stand with me. Kevin, Jared, before you guys get up, can you move this table and put it up against that wall, if you would, for me? No, that one can stay. Just this one. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So here's what I believe that God how God wanted to direct our prayers this morning. I believe that there are a certain number of people who came in here this morning and you're bearing something and it is too big for you and you know it's too big for you and you've been fighting to carry it on your own, and you've kept your hands on it, and you have not released it and said, Jesus, you take it. Father, I I give it to you. If you came in bearing that burden, bearing that thing, holding that weight, and it's crippling you, 
You are hunched over now. You walk like the woman of Luke chapter 12. You walk like the woman bent at the waist because you cannot carry it by yourself. Jesus says, if you are heavy laden, come to me. And I will give you rest for my souls. So if you came in, and that's you this morning, I want you to come forward. Now. Not when the music starts. And let, let's, uh, let's cut the live feed now. Thank you for joining us online. But if you came in with a burden that's too big, I want you to come forward now, and then the music will play, and I will pray for you, and Pat and Amy will pray for you as you come up. So if that was you, come up now. Jared, why don't you go ahead and start us as we go. I'm not gonna leave this open. I don't do the thing where you can make the decision 30 seconds from now. You came bearing it, come release it now.